Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. All right, show of hands, procrastinators. Any procrastinators? Yeah, me too. Some of you are procrastinating and putting your hand up. You're slow at that. I'm the worst. When I was in school, it was terrible. I was totally that guy who was like, the night before a test, I was cramming, I was trying to finish a project. And every semester, I was like, this one's going to be different. I'm not doing that this time. And sure enough, you get to the end, and it's like, I have to hurry to, to, to get everything done. I had a professor in seminary who I thought gave really good advice. He was like, listen, when you have a whole bunch of stuff, you make a to-do list, and you find that one item on there that you really don't want to do. It's the, it's the thing that you least want to do. And he goes, do that first. And then the rest of your list, it's out of the way. The rest of your list will be pretty easy. And I thought, man, that's great. And I'm going to do that. And then I procrastinated on making a list of all the things that I needed to do. Because it's just what I do. Today, we're going to look at this story that I think might resonate with you. Sometimes God's people procrastinate in being obedient. There are times that God's people clearly know what they're supposed to do, but they delay. They sort of put off that very thing that God wants them to do, or they, they keep it till the last minute. The story that we're going to look at today is found in the book of Haggai. So if you've got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on. Don't be a hero. Look in the table of contents, or you're never going to find it. It's only about a page long. It's buried at the end of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at this story and try and understand God's people, when they're procrastinating, while you're turning there, let me sort of get you up to speed, take you to history class for a minute. We've been in this series where we're going through the Bible in 2022, and we're in this section called the prophets. And most of the history is taking place here in between the years about 800 BC and 400 BC. And there's two really major events that sort of are focused on in this time period. The first one is the one we call the Assyrian exile. And this is where the country of Assyria, comes into the northern kingdom of Israel and kind of wipes them out and takes some of their people into captivity. After a while, life sort of settles down. People start to return. And then this other thing happens about 100 years later called the Babylonian exile. And this is really big. This powerful nation, the most powerful nation in the world, comes into the southern part of Israel, into Judah, and conquers the people there. And over time, kind of just keeps going and keeps going, destroys the city of Jerusalem, and particularly destroys the temple in Jerusalem and takes the people of Israel into exile in Babylon. And they're there for about 70 years. And then eventually a time comes where God goes, okay, enough is enough. I want my people to go home. Babylon at the time is ruled by uh, this group of people called the Persians, and they're under this king called Cyrus. And Cyrus hears from God and says, okay, I'm going to let the Jewish people start to go home, in particular, to go back and rebuild the temple. And this is super important, right? Because we've learned that the temple is this key thing in Israel's history. The temple is not just a building. The temple is where God's presence dwells on earth. The temple is this place where God comes to meet with his people. And so Cyrus issues this decree in the 530s BC. And basically what he says, it's recorded in Ezra, but basically what he says is, okay, God spoke to me and said that anyone who wants to, any of the Israelites who want to go back home and start to rebuild the temple, I should let them do that. 
So great news. A bunch of the Israelites start to go home. They, Cyrus lets them go. They head back to Jerusalem with the intention of building the temple. And when they get there, they do just that. They start for a time, they start rebuilding. But it doesn't last for very long, this rebuilding campaign, because there is opposition to rebuilding the temple. There are nations around them that don't want them to rebuild Jerusalem, and specifically God's temple, because God's temple is a symbol of their power. And they know how powerful, these other nations know how powerful Israel's God is, and so they don't want that God around. They don't want there to be a temple, and so they, they oppose them, and they become a distraction and so the Israelites stopped building. They just stopped rebuilding the temple. And God sees this and God goes, okay, well, we can't let that happen. And so God intervenes and he removes the opposition. He removes the distraction in hopes that his people will begin rebuilding the temple again. But they don't. They've been distracted and now they're on to other things. And so the temple where God's presence dwells, where the people have access to God himself, the temple remains in ruins. It's lying there. It's just rubble. And it's 10 years that they don't rebuild the temple, that when they come back to Jerusalem, they try it for a couple years, and then it just sits there for 10 years. And so enter the prophet Haggai. He is a man of God who God speaks to, to deliver a message to the people of Israel. And here's how his story goes. Haggai 1. Verse one says, in the second year of King Darius, I love about this story that we have a real place and a real time. So this is happening in 520 BC. The entire book of Haggai happens in just a few month period. So in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, oh, we even know the day. We know that it's August 29th. So on August 29th of 520 BC, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, who's the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, who is the high priest. This is how it goes. Verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people, the Israelites, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So the people, they came back, they came back from exile to rebuild the temple, except they're not doing that. It lies in ruins, and God speaks to Haggai, and he says, listen, I hear the people. I hear what they're saying. They're saying, now is not the right time. They were working on it before. They got distracted, and now they're like, it's not really the right time, God. It's not time to rebuild the temple. So verse 3, God speaks, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And God says, is it time? Remember, they said it's not time to rebuild the temple. God says, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? So apparently they don't have time to build their own houses or they don't have time, sorry, to build the, the house of God, but they have plenty of time to build their own houses. And you go, what's the big deal with building a house? They need a place to live, right? Some Bibles translate this paneled houses as luxurious houses. The NIV translates it here, paneled houses. The idea behind what they're building here are these houses that are made of fine wood. They have walls and a ceiling constructed of high quality wood. You go, what's the big deal? They're just building houses. People need a place to live. Cool, but remember, this all takes place in the desert. If expediency to build shelter is the issue, if they're like, we just have to have a place to live, it's really simple to slap together some houses that are made of mud and bricks. They're in the desert. That stuff, dust, dirt, it's everywhere. You know what's not in the desert? Wood. 
which means that they're importing all of the materials to build their house, which means it's getting really expensive. They don't have time to build God's house, but they have plenty of time to build their own houses. The very reason, remember, they came home from exile. God spoke to Cyrus and he said, the reason I want them to go home is to rebuild the temple. For 70 years, they had been distraught because they were in a foreign land and they knew the temple of their God back home had been destroyed. All they wanted was to get back. Now they have this chance and they go, yeah, we, we, we got to build our own houses. We don't have time for God's house. Verse five says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You're going to see that phrase, give careful thought to your ways, show up a number of times in the book of Haggai. Give careful thought to your ways. I think what God is saying to the Israelites is slow down. You're just caught up in, in, in life. You're not even thinking about what you're doing. And so he's asking them, slow down. Let's be intentional. Let's think about what's going on. Verse six, God says, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put those into a purse that has holes in it. God is calling attention to their struggle. He goes, hey, you know how life is really hard? You know how you work really hard and it's never really enough? Somehow he's gonna connect that to the fact that they haven't rebuilt the temple. That's interesting to me. More, more, more on that in a minute. Verse seven, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. So again, he goes, let's think about what we're doing. Let's be intentional here. He says, go into the mountains and bring down wood and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Remember the people are going, it's not time yet. It's not time to build God's house. We got to build our houses. And God goes, enough. I've had enough of the excuses. I've had enough of you being selfish. Knock it off. You say you don't have time. Yeah, I'm watching what you're doing. I see you making trips back and forth to Home Depot to get the stuff for your house. Like you have all the time in the world for what you want to do. Build my darn house. You can tell, like you sense in this, that God is, frankly, he's getting a little annoyed. He rescued the Jewish people from exile again. I mean, how many times have these people been captive in another nation? desperate. They cry out. God shows up and saves them. And he goes, would you just wake up and listen to me? The God who delivered you out of slavery in Egypt, the God who parted the Red Sea so that you could go through, the God who cracked open a rock when you needed water in the desert, the God who brought you into the promised land and made you a, a kingdom, the God who saved you from the Assyrians, the God who rescued you from exile in Babylon, would you wake up and listen to me? And instead they procrastinate, they delay, they focus on themselves. Verse nine says, you expected much. You thought life was gonna be great. We just gotta get home from exile. He says, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, he's about to tell them, why life is so hard, why it's been such a struggle. He says, because of my house, which remains in ruins, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, watch this, therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due and the earth its crops. Everything that the Jewish people are doing leads to frustration. Why? 
God says it's because they haven't rebuilt the temple. And again, remember what the temple is. It's this place where they they meet with God. It's heaven on earth. It's where God's presence dwells. It's a place he wants to be with his people. He said from beginning to end, I will be their God. I will be with my people. And so it's not just that God's like, build me a building. It's not just that God wants a cathedral. It's what it signifies. The temple means closeness to God. The temple means relationship with God. It means access to God. It means reliance upon God. And by not building the temple, basically what they've done is said, God, thanks for getting us home. We'll take it from here. God, thanks for bringing us back. We're gonna get to that temple thing. Like, God, it's a priority. We're gonna, we're gonna get there. As soon as we're done with, with our thing, it, it matters to us. We're gonna get there. But just, you, you know, God, life's really busy. And what God does is he sort of peels back the curtain a little bit. He opens it up and he goes, you know, everything in life is really hard. And the reason that you're coming up empty, the reason that the the crops don't grow the way you want them to, the reason that that everything is a struggle and, and you work so hard, he goes, it's because of you. It's because your priorities are so out of whack. Because instead of inviting me into every aspect of your life, instead of obeying me first and putting me first and making me the priority, you decided to build houses. If you would have been obedient to me, you would have seen all kinds of goodness and blessing flow out through your life. But you thought you needed a fancy house. Verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. And the people, they came together and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So finally they choose obedience. They go, okay, here we go. Let's start working on the temple. We're gonna do it this time. But this idea, this idea that life gets in the way, this idea that we sort of get distracted from being obedient to God, does that resonate with you? Have you ever had really good intentions of being obedient and then something got in the way? Maybe it's just life gets in the way or whatever. You just get distracted. I've, I've done this. I had really good intentions. I mean, even I, I've sat in church so many times and I've heard a sermon and, and God is just speaking to me or through a song or just something, right? And, and you have this moment where you go, God, I know things have to change. I got to be I got to change my ways. Some things have to be different, right? And, and in the moment, you're super convicted and you have these great intentions like it's going to be different now. I've made promises to God. God, today's the day I'm going to change. Or sometimes it looks like this. God, that's the last time I'm going to do that. God, I promise you, I'm not going to do that again. Have you done that? God, it's going to be different from here on out. God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to snap at my kids anymore. God, I'm not going to lie again. God, I'm not walking into that person's office where I know that we're going to gossip. God, I'm not going to get drunk ever again. God, I, I, I'm not going to take part in that, in that sexual sin. And you have really good intentions. God, today's the day. Things are going to be different. And what happens? Life? We get distracted? I say this because I don't think the Israelites are intentionally disobeying God. I don't think that this is like thumbing their nose at God and going, yeah, we don't care what you say. I think they procrastinated. I think they were going in a direction. They were going to rebuild the temple. They got distracted. They veered just a little bit. Started focusing on themselves 
And they kept going. And 10 years later, and the temple still lies in ruins. And the whole time they're going, we're going to build the temple. We want to do what God tells us to do. We're going to build the temple. We're going to get to it tomorrow. God, we're going to start tomorrow. Ah, okay, the next day. We're going to start the next day. Next week, God, I promise we're going to start. We're going to be obedient. And it's 10 years later. And so God keeps saying, give careful thoughts to your ways. Slow down. Think about what you're doing. I don't think they're intentionally shoving God aside. I think they've just gotten distracted by life. And so God's going, give careful thought, right? Slow, slow down. Think about it. Be, be intentional about it. You've gotten so busy with life, you're not even thinking about it. It's just the busyness of life goes by on day after day after day after day after day after day, and you're caught up in it. Does any of that resonate with you? It does me. Eventually, he gets through to them. They rally together. They go, okay, cool. Let's build the temple. We're going to work on it together. Yes, God, you've convicted us. We're, we're, we're going to be obedient. Actually, they respond pretty fast. It's only 23 days from the first time Haggai speaks to when they gather up and they start rebuilding the temple, right? But guess what? It doesn't last because just a short time, maybe a month or so later, they stop building. They get distracted again. This time it's because they, they get discouraged. They're disappointed with the results because here's the deal. Rebuilding the temple is hard work. Obedience is hard work and it doesn't immediately pay off, right? You're gonna build the temple. You know it's gonna take years. It's not gonna be like, oh, we went to work one day and here's this thing and it's, it's great. Obedience isn't flashy and they look at what they've, what they've started, what they're building and it's unimpressive. And they've heard the stories. Most of these people haven't seen the, the original, the old temple. They've been in captivity for 70 years as a nation, but they've heard grandma and grandpa talk about it. They've talked about the splendor of the temple that was. King Solomon built it. He covered everything in gold. There were fine carvings of wood. There was no expense spared. In, in modern dollars, it costs billions of dollars to build this thing. It was something impressive. And this thing that they're building it's like a fraction of what the previous temple was because they don't have the resources that Solomon had and they don't have the materials. And they don't have access to the, the craftsmen that Solomon had. And so they start building this thing and they're looking at it and they're like, this thing's pathetic. And so they just stop. They stop rebuilding the temple because they're discouraged and they start to give up on the thing. They had good intentions. God, we're gonna rebuild the temple and they get discouraged, so they stop. Listen to what God says. He speaks into this in chapter two. He says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? He knows they're going, it's pathetic. They're discouraged by, by it. It's, it's, it's nothing compared to the previous temple. God says, but in verse four, he says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. God's like, keep going. Keep being obedient. The people go, God, it, 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 this thing is garbage. It's nothing compared to what we once had. Why should we even keep going? And God is there. He's there to cheer them on. And he's like, I know how you're feeling. I know that you're discouraged. Keep going in obedience. Because the thing about obedience is, like, again, it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's just hard work. And it takes endurance. And God is like, keep going. There's no magical thing. Like, you were obedient once. And now life's just all unicorns. And it's perfect. He's like, no, it's going to be hard. But I'm with you. I'm your God. And he's there to encourage them and, and, and to cheer them on. 
He tells them to give them hope and, 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 and to keep them going. He says, this thing that you're building, this temple that you're building, not too long from now, incredible things are going to happen right here in this temple. He's talking about Jesus, this Messiah that they had long awaited. Jesus would have these incredible interactions in this temple, giving hope to so many people. He, he goes on and he says, there's a temple that's being built in, in, in heaven, a, a temple that will never be destroyed, a temple where God's presence will dwell with his people forever and ever. And he's talking about eternity. He's asking them in this moment to keep going, to be obedient with their eyes on eternity because they're part of something even bigger than just building this structure, than just building one little building. And he's doing all of this to give them hope, to say, keep going and being obedient. I know it's hard. Keep going. I would encourage you to go read the rest of the book of Haggai. Read it for yourself. It's, it's pretty cool, and it's full of hope. But I want to go back to what we read in chapter 1 and spend a few minutes there because, you know, people, if, people don't really change much, right? And so if the Israelites, if their struggle was procrastinating, it's probably a struggle for us too. And so I want to go back to chapter one and just particularly something that God said in verse four. He says, is it time? Remember that people were like, it's not time. It's not time to build the house. And God goes, oh, really? Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? See, in this whole story, the problem with what the Jewish people are doing is not about building houses. God God's like, I want you to have a home. God's not standing in the way of that. He wants people to have a place to live. The problem with this story is right here. It's that you're so focused on building your house, God says, while my house is in ruins. This isn't God saying, don't build houses. This is God saying, I told you to build a temple. This is a problem of priority and a problem of obedience. The people are trying to reshape, to reorder their priorities. Okay, God, let us build our houses. We're going to build the temple, but let us build our houses. Let us get places to live, and, and, and then we'll build the temple, which is basically them saying, let us get things squared away in our lives, and then God will take this, will take this obedience thing quite seriously. I mean, does that sound familiar? Do we do that? Sure we do. In all kinds of ways. God, um, as soon as I pay off these school loans, as soon as I pay off this debt, God, I'm going to be generous. God, as soon as I get through this, this next project at work, I'll get back to reading my Bible. God, as soon as we get the kids out of the house, it's just really busy right now, but once the kids are out of the house, we're going to serve your kingdom like crazy. God, it's a really stressful time. Let me just get over the, over the next hump, and then I'll deal with this addiction. God, if you just let me get this, this one piece squared away, I, I promise you I'm all yours. God, you're a priority, and, and, and I'm going to get dialed in, and, and I'm going to follow you. I mean, this is what the Israelites were doing. But the problem is it doesn't work. That's not the order of things. And what's so, you've got to hear this, because what's so critical about this is that God isn't doing any of this to shame people. He's not doing this to, to beat people up. He's not doing this just behavior modification kind of thing. What, what God is really doing is going, listen, without building the temple, you're missing out on so much blessing. You've chosen to focus on your houses, but what's, what's missing is my presence in your life. If you would build the temple, I could be there with you and I could be a part of all of this, but instead you've chosen to leave me out. 
I want to be part of every aspect of your life. I want to be present with you. I want to meet with you. I want to be a part of, of things. But by building your own house first, you're missing out, he says. Israelites, you're missing out on my presence in your life. They're, they're trying to do this. Let me try and explain it, it this way a little bit. Um, throughout the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, there's sort of this formula that goes like this, that obedience, obedience leads to blessing. Obedience leads to blessing, but unfaithfulness or disobedience leads to ruin. And you see this show up time and time again in the Old Testament. The obedience leads to blessing. In the Bible, God is telling his people, if you will obey me, if you will trust me, I will be your God and I will bless you. And if you don't, you're, you're going to experience some level of pain. And again, it's not God trying to beat people up. It's just God going, Listen, I know what's best for your life. And it's not that we have to earn his favor. It's just God going like, I know my ways are better than your ways. If you would follow my ways, you will experience blessing. And blessing doesn't mean fame and fortune. Blessing means peace and goodness in your life. He goes, if you will follow my ways, that's what you will have. But if you don't, life's going to be hard. And what the Jewish people are doing is they're trying to sort of reverse this and go, okay, give us the blessing and then we'll be obedient, right? Let us build our houses. God, give us prosperity. Let us have these nice homes. God, let us have success as we farm the land. Let us get life set up, God, and then we'll be obedient. And God goes, that's just not how it works. See what he's trying to do? He's not beating them up. He's asking them to, to reshape, to reconsider their priorities. He's like, you're waiting for the perfect conditions to give me obedience. You're waiting till everything is right in your life, and then you'll follow me. You have a vision for what it's like to take me seriously, but you're waiting for these things to line up, and he's going, what, what I want you to do is I want you to be obedient to me. I want you to make me a priority and follow me first and then watch all the ways that that starts to fill in and filter through your life. See, it's not God's design in this story to say, don't have a house, don't have a nice house. God's like, have a great house. That's, that's fine. But this is a priority realignment. I mean, Jesus says something similar. As Jesus interacts with people, Jesus notices that people are worried about a lot of things like where are they going to live and what are they going to wear and, 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 and what are they going to eat? Just like sort of basic life needs. And so Jesus speaks into this in Matthew 6. And Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things, the things that you need for life, the basic things that you need to survive that are taking up all your headspace. He says, seek first God's kingdom and all these other things will be given to you as well. Don't see in this story God as being so disconnected from us, disconnected from the reality that we live in where he's like, ah, houses don't matter, physical needs, and I'm just about the spiritual needs. That's not it at all. He just goes, come after me first. Make me a priority. And all this goodness and blessing will flow out of your life. But if you try to do it on your own, it's going to be a struggle. So is there anything here for us? We're not tasked with rebuilding a, a temple, but this, this idea of God wanting to be a priority, but us sort of procrastinating and, 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 and pushing God off. Does this resonate? I mean, it, 
It does for me. So what do we do? I think it's actually pretty simple. I think God says this, stop waiting and start obeying. It's pretty simple. Stop waiting and start obeying. If there are ways that you've said, I'll take this Jesus thing seriously in the future, God goes, stop. Stop waiting and start obeying. Stop holding obedience up as, as it's contingent upon something. God, when you give me this, then I will. God, I'll, I'll, I'll address this addiction when. God, I'll forgive that person when. God, I'll be faithful to my spouse. I'll stop looking at pornography when. When the conditions are right. If that's you, stop. Stop making demands of God. Stop putting expectations on him. I will follow Jesus when. I will be obedient when. Stop. Go back to that, that, that image of blessing and obedience. Because what we do is, just like the Israelites, we go, when I have this, God will give you this. When you give me blessing, when you make sense out of my life, then you'll get my obedience, God. Jesus says something about this when he's uh, speaking to his, his disciples in John. He says, this is how you'll know that, this is how they will know that you're my disciples. Your life will be full of blessing. No. He says, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, by your keeping of my commands, by your obedience. So what are you procrastinating on? What are you holding off until the conditions are right? I mean, maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit and just some guy standing up here encouraging you today, maybe today is a day that you could surrender to God and go, I've been procrastinating, but I need to change my priorities. Maybe today is the day that you, I don't know, that you step across the line of faith and you say, I want to follow Jesus with my life. Maybe you've been sitting in church week after week, maybe year after year but the hardness of your heart, you've never actually given your life to Christ. You've told God, I have too many questions. I have too many doubts. And when those are resolved, then I'll follow you. It's never going to happen. You'll always have questions. Maybe you've been hurt by religion. So you go, I can't, I'm walking away from God. Maybe something's been done to you or you've done something that you're so ashamed of. You're like, I can't even look at God. My hope is that today you'd say, Jesus, lead my life. And my question for you is pretty simple. It's like, if not now, when? What contingency do you think you have? What ability do you think you have to negotiate with God? To go, when you do this, God, then I'll follow you. I mean, no sales pitch, no pressure. It's just, if not now, when? Maybe you've been procrastinating on confessing your sin. Maybe you've been procrastinating on forgiving someone. Maybe you've been procrastinating on, on getting help for, for drug use or alcohol abuse. And you know, none of, us, none of this is to shame us. Sisters and brothers, this is because God has something better for you. If you would make him a priority in your life, he would fill it up with blessing because blessing follows obedience. 
We don't get to make demands of God. Stop waiting, start obeying. I love the way he says, build my temple so that I will be praised and honored. His worship is on the line. The Bible says that now we are the temple of God. And so as we're obedient, people are drawn to him. They see it in us. And God's worship is magnified because of it. I don't think that you've been intentionally disobedient to God. I think we go down a path and we go, God, I'm going to make you a priority, but life gets in the way. I'm telling you. Stop waiting. Start obeying. I don't know where your heart has gone astray from the Lord, but you do. Talk to him. And if you go, I I don't know, ask him to show you. Ask him to lead you forward. Stop waiting. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for how it speaks truth into us and grace over us. Thank you that you don't write us off. You don't get frustrated with us and annoyed with us and just cast us aside because, man, you could and you probably should. Father, thank you that your arms are open, that when we procrastinate our obedience, when we make demands of you or put expectations on you, you don't disqualify us throw us aside. You wait with arms open. So God, help us to run to you, to stop waiting. You're not just trying to change our behavior. Jesus didn't die so that bad people would be good people. You have life for us, life to the fullest in store. If we would just trust you, if we would confess our sin to you, if we would allow our hearts to be softened by your spirit, we would listen to your voice. God, today help us to not wait in obedience, to not say, I'll I'll take this Jesus thing seriously sometime, sometime in the future. God, if that means today, surrendering our life to Jesus for the first time, help us to see that. God, thanks for Jesus who is building an eternal temple. One day we will be in your presence fully. We will see you face to face. And thank you for him who lost his life so that we could have life and hope. It's in his name we pray. Amen.